Hello and welcome to the Play Therapy Network. I'm your host, Maddie Wend. Today I have the most incredible guest on the show, Dr. Atwal. Welcome, Dr. Atwal. How are you today? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for coming today. Dr. Atwal is an expert in genetics and is a medical biomedical geneticist. And he provides so many opportunities with his research, his guest appearances, and his foundation. So I'm glad you're here today. You know, thank you for joining. Can you tell my what you do and, you know, maybe some of the things that you're passionate about? Sure, sure. Yeah. So I'm, a, as you said, I'm a physician. So I see and treat patients with. Uh, genetic conditions. Uh, obviously, uh, one of the main areas I specialize in is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. So I see a lot of patients with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome and other other uh, connective tissue. Oh, I can't hear you. Can you hear me? No so problem. You, you see a lot of patients with Ehlers-Danlos. What is it that got you into working with connective tissue, Ehlers-Danlos, as well as other connective tissue disorders, such as, I guess, undifferentiated connective tissue, or, you know, what is it that, I guess, spiked your curiosity? The first... Taste of that curiosity was when I was still training as a medical genetics fellow at Stanford in California, and I uh, had a very interesting patient that uh, clearly had a connective tissue disorder that um, actually hadn't been described at that point. So we ended up publishing that as a new syndrome, and uh, that was over ten years ago now. So that, that was the first first. Uh, realization that there's a lot more work and research to be done in this area uh, there's not that many doctors that specialize in connective tissue conditions particularly genetic and a lot of the testing that's come out recently is able to find things that we couldn't find before and describe things we couldn't find before and then many years later yeah and then many years yeah right <laughs> and then many years <laughs> later I had, a, had another patient so it's all all from the patient this is when I was at the Mayo Clinic now and I wasn't sure what subtype it was it was it was clearly not one of the defined subtypes and then when I did the genetic analysis I realized he had a new type that had also hadn't been described uh, properly so we, we published that as a new syndrome and we had a researcher get involved uh, from Boston and had a mouse model for that for that particular gene con- gene so we did all sorts of work on that. Uh, I started seeing a lot more patients with Ehlers-Danlos, and that just kind of happened. That, uh, 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 I kind of became known for it. So you have actually discovered two different types of connective tissue syndromes, 
And so your research really is cutting edge. Nobody else discovered them before. Right, right. And and just to clarify, it was a team effort. As and and, and those discoveries and um, a lot of other people were involved. But uh, uh, yeah, we ended up as a team. We published both of them. New, new, not been described before. So that's kind of cool, and and it really shows you how, there's so much more that we have. We still are, need to figure out and haven't realized about genetics and connective tissue uh, conditions. It's yes, really cool, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so with connective tissue, what are some, I guess, things that you have discovered that whether it's research-based or just curiosity-based that you think about that you notice with Ehlers-Danlos? Yeah, so I think one of the most interesting, oh, well, I don't know, we're, so many interesting things, but Hard one of question, them is, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, for example, there's a lot of patients with hypermobile Ellis Danlos, which is the most common type, have these. Uh, it can be quite disabling, and often it's more of an issue than the joint issues itself. Uh, not, not not all of us, of course, but sometimes. So, what I'm talking about things like dizziness episodes, postural orthostatic tachycardia, orthostatic intolerance, GI brutality issues, temperature issues, uh, temperature dysregulation. And um, finding that connection between that, uh, those are connected to Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And then also there's a lot of uh, individuals that have their symptoms worse during uh, their um, hormonal cycles. And so Mm -hmm. there's obviously a um, sex hormone related issue going on as well that uh, that is known, uh, but it hasn't really been well. uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's really fascinating. So with Ehlers-Danlos, where do you think we're headed in 2022 when we think about bringing awareness and research? Because you're right, there's not a lot of uh, physicians out there that specialize in Ehlers-Danlos. Yeah, yeah, and that's a big problem because one of the biggest issues is diagnosis. I was actually just at the meeting last week and I gave a talk on diagnosing and coping with a diagnosis and how to manage a diagnosis and what to do after a diagnosis and all, everything about being diagnosed but the first thing I talked about was the utility and, and usefulness of a diagnosis and that it provides a lot of validation to to uh, individuals in the sense that they may have been dismissed in the past as uh, you know no nothing wrong with them or there's no clear explanation for this psychiatric or some other other uh, uh, cause and so then when they finally get a true diagnosis it helps them and it also helps their other medical specialists whom they still need uh, to help manage their complex care uh, to um, uh, to to realize this is actually a much larger syndrome that they they have and it's also I think we'll we'll find it's much more common that 
and it's currently quoted in the medical literature. I think it's something like one in five thousand currently that, that the estimate is, but I think it's far lower than that, even one in a thousand or even less than that. Um, uh, so we also need a lot more education on mm-hmm. w- what the condition is and how how um, the the spectrum of presentation I think as well is, is uh, much broader than you'll read about yes. and then finally I think there's some exactly research being done on the cause of the hypermobile type but particularly I just I, I just did a visit to this group in Charleston with uh, it's, uh, Dr. Norris and his lab are doing some very exciting research that uh, they they hopefully will be uh, talking about soon, uh, and um, I think that will help elucidate some further understanding of hypermobile. Well, so yeah, lots of exciting things to come. That's excellent. Do you feel like there should be more education, perhaps in med school? or more continuing education when it comes to Ehlers-Danlos, or do you think both? Yeah, certainly both. And when you think about medical school, there's probably one lecture or so on hereditary. Typically the focus is on Marfan syndrome or homocystinuria, typically Marfan. There might be you know, one or two slides on Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and they're focusing on the classical type with stretchy skin uh, or hyper, ex- extreme skin hyperextensibility. So, when the average doctor thinks about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, what they think about is, you know, being able to pull your skin like uh, very far away from your body, which actually the vast majority of people with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome can. And that's it. That's really all they know about Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. That's obviously an adequate. <laughs> And certainly, if you if you if you yeah, if you missed yeah. that lecture, uh, then then you maybe know even less. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, <laughs> it's also a misconception in the medical communities that it's even a real condition, which I find bizarre. Um, I don't know how that's po- possible to have that misconception, but uh, it still nonetheless, nonetheless remains. Yeah. Uh, and um, so it's enough. Continuing education as well. Yeah. So when you think about Hello and welcome back, Dr. Atwell. Sorry everybody, sometimes it's the joys of technology and it's all good. Uh you know, <laughs> this is this is real yeah. interesting. You know, Dr. Atwell, when you talk about skin, there are people, it seems to be the buzzword of collagen people are wanting to get like this collagen in their body, but people with Ehlers-Danlos have a lot of collagen in their body. And so I'm just trying to think about this. Do you think there is a purpose to the research with this collagen that connective tissue or Ehlers-Danlos individuals have because their youth, they seem to last, their youth and elasticity is incredible. Yes, yeah, it's a it's a really good question, and it's it's quite nuanced. So, the the simple assumption is okay. There's a collagen uh, disorder or collagen something wrong with collagen, which is which is true. 
um, or certainly there's a difference in collagen. And uh, then, okay, let's let's there must be a lack of collagen, and let's give more collagen. That's actually not the. There's enough collagen. It's the same as collagen is the most abundant protein in the body. There's plenty of collagen that people have. So the the issue is the how it's arranged in itself. So collagen it exists as a triple helix. So there's three strands that are tied together, kind of like a rope, and in that rope there's these uh, things called cross links or cross linkages which keep it together the difference in hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos is the cross linking isn't as, isn't as uh, secure or isn't as strong so you get more laxity and looseness of the col- of the collagen fibers that's what that's what causes the the joint laxity and the and the skin laxity and actually the smoothness and the velvety uh, feeling of some of the skin as well so it's all it's all it's all part of that that same thing take adding more collagen isn't going to change the way the collagen cross links mm-hmm. uh, and so the built like yeah, building a house there's you know you can, you can have these rectangular bricks or you can have other types of bricks each one has its kind of pros and cons and uh, you know adding more bricks uh, isn't going to change the type of bricks being used uh, I don't know if that's a good analogy or not yes but, yes that but, makes uh, sense <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so, so that, that's that's really what's going on so, so I hope that hope that helps uh, clear up Absolutely. some misunderstandings yeah. so what are you you know you seem very passionate about Ehlers-Danlos research and the care that you have which everybody the Atwell Clinic it's in Palm Beach Florida the most incredible clinic uh, you're very passionate about this. Where do you want to take the research? Or what is your uh, dream or goal with making a difference? Because you're truly a phenomenal physician. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, well, I think the, the goal, so with research and to do research well, you, it has to be very collaborative mm-hmm. with others. others. If I was to say, I'm going to research and do it myself. I'm really not going to accomplish things in a way that could be possible if I said, okay, I'm going to work with as many researchers that are willing to collaborate and work with me as possible because you need you need people like me, the physicians who are interacting with the patients directly doing clinical work. You need the laboratory scientists that are doing the... Um, the um, the bench work. Uh, and the, the, yes. uh, focused science, uh, science work away from the patients uh, people who are looking at mouse models computer animations, computer model modeling all of these people need to come together uh, so my goal would be to, ha- to work with a group or ha- create a clinical registry where we have patients that have the condition we know all about them the, you know, the clinical presentation what their issues are uh, potentially samples that we can use to look at look at differences in subgroups identify subgroups that are in, in, uh, and try and figure out why they why certain people for example why do certain people have more POTS issues or more mast cell issues or you know primarily just joint stuff and, you know, and why are some people more severe than others even within a, within the same family either even siblings right uh, uh, or parent child uh, there's so many things that need to be looked at. Mm-hmm. 
with that, why do you have these? Um, how, how can we start influencing that, uh, which is ultimate goal, right? So what are the, the, the purpose really of all of this research should be to create better therapies and better, better, so better therapies come from better understanding uh, of the condition. So is there, is there a particular supplementation? Is there uh, particular treatments that are actually going to be more beneficial? You can even look at clinical trials. So but that's a long-term goal. It's a, it's a, it'll take, mm-hmm. it's a long, that's a long, that's a long road, but that's, that's where I hope to be. Absolutely. So, and I think that's fantastic because that would create an understanding perhaps on a global platform. Yeah. Every yeah, physician yeah. would understand and have the knowledge base of this is the protocol. This is who you need to go to, or this is what we need to do to make life more comfortable and manageable. Because, I mean, from a mental health perspective with Ehlers-Danlos, the body oftentimes keeps track of how we feel. You know, individuals yes, can't absolutely. control what's, what the manifestations are because they are battling in some ways. And I say battling because you don't yes. always know if the mast cell is going to be triggered that day or the, the POTS, the postural orthostatic tachycardia, or if you're having, you know, some hypermobility dislocation. And so trying to not only emotionally regulate the symptoms of the chronic illness, but also the understanding of people around because those support systems from what I've found, it's difficult sometimes for family and friends to understand that aren't familiar with the illness. Uh, yes, that's a that's a that's a big issue. And they actually bring their parents or some other important uh, family member, friend, and and the purpose is sometimes it's to help them w- with questions, and they might often forget things and uh, or ha- have difficulty explaining but often the purpose is just so the other person can hear it <laughs> and hear it from someone else and knows what they're talking about um, like a physician who specializes in the condition and so they realize oh wait this is actually a big you know this is real and this is you know multi and, and there's a lot smaller to understand yes. like, yeah i do see that yes. and just, even if widely in genetics discussing things with family is it's very challenging, but it is ultimately helpful because it can affect family, of course, as well. Absolutely. For every patient, actually. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, you know, like climate or any certain things in particular that you feel that it really uh, heightens? I guess the Ehlers-Danlos, like, I don't know, people that live in cooler climates versus warmer client or climates or not yeah, really. Yeah, that's, good. It, that's it, a good it's... question. Um, I think the, the climate thing is, is interesting because in some ways it, it can be beneficial. Uh, you know, you see a lot of people like to retire in warmer climates. One of the reasons is that it's lit, it, it's the pressures and all that that seems to help um but also in the on the other hand on the contrary that, that going out in the florida sun in the summer 
uh, it, it's very difficult for the autonomic system to deal with and manage. So uh, I'm not sure there's an ideal climate uh, that I've come across, but um, but certainly there's an one thing I think to your wider point here is there impact the climate the uh, allergens in the climate exposure to certain things like you know viruses even some people seem to have high sensitivity to uh, household uh, allergens uh, even mold type exposure so there's a lot there's a lot more research needs to be done in that area as well absolutely and so you know, just a few takeaways. What would you say you want the yes. takeaways to be for individuals trying to understand Ehlers-Danlos? Like, I don't know where they could find information or or how to seek yes. help, which, of course, everybody, you need to call the Atwal Clinic in Palm Beach with Dr. <laughs> Atwal. Right. I mean, I guess if yeah. they don't have those resources available, yes. what would you recommend? So, so there's yeah, there's a number of different things you can do. So, the common team they already know they have Ellis They have already done an incredible amount of research, and they've and they've written up uh, very th- thoughtful and uh, time-intensive documentation of uh, all about themselves, their medical histories, uh, even the diagnostic criterias. Um, they, they've kind of went through all of the, that. So, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's definitely important. Looking at, but it has to be the, the right the right group. So, for example, the Ellers Daniel Society has some great resources, and there that's one one group. Uh, but also, to be honest, uh, a lot of a lot of patients get uh, valuable insights from blogs like yours uh, and other other uh, patients with Ellis Danlos that have um, the, you know the, the life and what they've had done and what's helped them and what's not helped I think you have to proceed with caution when it comes to things like you know, forums on uh, online like social media platforms Facebook etc because there because there is some good information on there good, uh, local good local knowledge on doctors and and specialists that may help in your area, but also um, it's not, it's perhaps not, not as uh, vetted as a, uh, opinion from a... Uh, 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 having a team that you can trust as well, I think, uh, is, is very important. As a geneticist, uh, I often serve as kind of a, a guide for what needs to be done. Uh, once the diagnosis is made, of course, of course that's that's the first part uh, of my role is to make the diagnosis and provide the genetic testing to make sure we're, we're not missing any of the rare subtypes. But then after that, my, my role kind of more switches to the 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 uh, I, well for these issues we need to be seeing this type of specialist. This is a you know these are a list of names of good ones that know are are are, are informed. Of the condition, uh, and then for these symptoms, you know, pot symptoms, others, I may I, I may instigate some initial management, but if it, if it's clear that they need more more specialist input, 
I'll give them people to see. Um, so, so, so uh, having keep track of all that, but the full time job itself. So, so yes, it really does make a difference. Yeah. You know, that's wonderful. It, it really is. You have helpful resources. You're very knowledgeable. You're making a difference every day with your patients. You know, I guess from a, a personal perspective, what do you right. feel like your career path has done for you in the ways that you give back and make a difference with your research? Because research is very time-consuming, and obviously you have this this passion and care with what you're doing. Yeah, and really, uh, I've always been interested in the underdog and the the you know the people that I think Ehlers-Danlos is one of those conditions. Is really as <laughs> the underdog people, you know, there's people out there that don't believe it even exists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People think it's much less common than it is. Yes, there's lots of, um, for lack of a better term, underdog uh, type of um, attributes that Ellis Dunlop syndrome has. And <laughs> the other problem, I think, is there's most geneticists work in children's hospitals. They're tra- trained in pediatrics. They're not. They're, the, the system for geneticists isn't really set up. There's no system to begin with. But for what there is, it's not set up to see. But there was a lot of people a lot of places and stations want to see adults. So it's uh, so for me, ha- trying to do something different, trying to offer telemedicine options, trying to offer um, more kind of innovative ways to to uh, ha- see people and get and get them diagnosed and and tested um, often virtually, uh, completely virtually rather than having to come in face to face which obviously some people do and that's always be a good option but for some people it's just not possible so I think that that has really been rewarding uh, seeing someone who is in a very small town uh, that doesn't have any local resources whatsoever but we, we can provide a diagnosis over video uh, and we can send them the genetic testing that they can get done via you know saliva kit uh, that they can do from their home and send back. Uh, that that's great, and that's yes, not too long ago. Do you think reducing barriers to, um, to to care, right? Which is which is what we should be doing. Um, so Absolutely. You know, this is wonderful. You are making a difference. You're creating change. You know, in many ways, you are breaking down barriers. Yes. Because yes, you are tackling the hard stuff that a lot of people don't want to tackle. You're trying to service a yes. population. <laughs> really, it's increasing. It really and truly, there are more Ehlers-Danlos than what's yes. diagnosed I, I'm sure of I, I agree with you there's much more I think we're only at the tip of the iceberg and, and honestly I've noticed personally that it's been increasing just from my practice um, and I think one useful thing uh, that, that I've seen f- for example 
I, I often ask patients, patients so how did you find it about me? How did you know that my clinic was an option? And many, I will say that they found out online through social media, Facebook groups, uh, even, I, could, I didn't believe it the first time I heard it, but now I've heard it so many times, I do believe it. Uh, platforms like TikTok, uh, so, you know, they, uh, people are. Yes. I don't know how they. I don't know how do they find out me. TikTok. I certainly don't have one, but but you know, patients talk and they and they say this will happen. Document everything and they, they you know, write feedback. That's much more valuable than any anything I could be doing in terms of, um, you know, you know, advertising or anything else, which I don't do any of anyway. But um, the. Uh, it's the the interconnected connectedness of patients. I think is a new a new thing and a very exciting thing. I think has a lot of potential. Uh, there's also a new concept I've seen recently of the the patient scientist, where look, it's like to do the research themselves and, and do, whether it's helping with uh, in a, an established researcher in their in their lab as interns or some other things or or even banding together and doing a, some primary research as a, as a collective. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a new frontier in that sense. It's very exciting. Absolutely. This is fantastic. You know, I really appreciate your coming on today to, you know, share with us about Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. You're truly a passionate physician. You're making a difference, taking on challenges to make a better life better quality of life, better research, better accessibility to rare diseases. Because, I mean, we didn't even touch on the other things, but you do so much at your clinic. Everybody, you really need to check out the Atwell Clinic because Dr. Atwell is pretty phenomenal. I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man and I'm going to continue to follow your research because you're doing some amazing things. You're giving families their life back because this illness doesn't just affect the individual, it affects families from a physical and yes. emotional and socioeconomic stance. So Absolutely. Really and one of the, yeah. Yes. One of the things we always say in genetics is we, we don't treat individual patients, we treat families because as you know, uh, things like Ehlers and Loss are genetic and we look at the family and, and uh, I, I never I often will see a patient then I'll see their their child or their parent their brother or their sister their aunt uncle and niece nephew and so you're, you've seen five six members of the same family after after you know sometimes so you really are treating families rather than <laughs> individual patients and uh, and you see the effect it has across the family actually across generations across time and uh, geography and, and all, all of that so so uh, it's, an, it's, it's a unique and very um, uh, a privileged uh, perspective to see. Uh, it's, you know, people let, let you in on many things that you're not going to see otherwise. And um, so uh, I, I see, I see, a, I have a, get to see a perspective on things that's very, uh, very rare, but also um, it's, uh, I, I like to, really make sure I'm doing the right thing by patients. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate your coming on today. Continue the great work that you're doing because you are doing incredible research with your partners. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. 
Oh, of course. Anytime. Happy to talk to you. Of course. Uh, my Thank pleasure. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you. The contact information regarding the Atwall Clinic is located in Palm Beach, Florida. You may email the Atwall Clinic for Dr. Atwall at info at atwallclinic.com. You may call 904-364-9985 or fax 650-897-5097. Dr. Atwal has a blog. He's got a wealth of information on his website. If you would like to take a look, feel free to go to atwallclinic.com. It is spelled A-T-W-A-L clinic.com. And you can find out information regarding Dr. Atwal and his amazing research. You know, he's done a lot for people and he's still out there trying to make a difference. And so if you know anyone that is struggling or is questioning if they have Ehlers-Danlos, Dr. Atwal does do initial consultations that are about an hour. He also does return visits. And he also does something called pharmacogenomics PGX consults. And so he also has a foundation. He's doing all kinds of uh, work. I mean, between his research and, you know, working with other partners with research and guest appearances with public speaking, There's also the Atwal Foundation that he also is a part of, and it is a 501c3 corporation and a nonprofit partner of Atwal Clinic. And so, you know, he's doing a lot of amazing things out there. And so no matter where you live, if you need some help, contact Dr. Atwal, especially if you feel like you have a connective tissue disorder, or even if you are diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos and you need some validation or information. Thank you again for coming to this segment today, and I look forward to seeing you all online again. Have a great day.